Hey, hello everyone, and welcome to What Will We Watch a Lil episode. This week, we're doing a top five. We got our good friend returning from the pilot episode of this podcast, and I haven't seen him in a year, Razor McLean. Oh, good to be back. A year's been way too long. Oh my God. It's great to see you. Oh, it's lovely seeing you again. Yeah. This COVID separation has been hard. Yeah, but finally, through a door we get to look at each other (laughs) Um, plate glass (laughs) also don't mention covid this is evergreen dude this is evergreen that's true that's true in 2080 the year of pluto nash they'll be able to listen to this (laughs) in little america all right uh you might remember fraser from our page master episode also our uh our pitch it episode Mm -hmm. pitching uh also, co-creator of Pitch It. Mm-hmm. Which we need to get going, but, you know, it's still sitting on my shelf. That's true. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and then our most recent Pluto Nash episode. Fraser's here to do a very uh, interesting top five. We are doing uh, Step Over, you know, Move Over Bill Simmons, because we're coming for you. Uh, we're doing top five rewatchable movies. And I had to sort of twist Will's arm for this one. Yeah, you pitched maybe the most boring top five <laughs> that's ever been pitched, which was top five movies that disappoint you. Well, I was thinking for that, it'd be movies that you were like should be good and you were really excited to be good, but just are like the movie uh, Aragon that they yeah. adapted. The yeah. movie that like has great base material, the whole family's into watching it, everyone's so there for it, and then it was so disappointing that like you've never rewatch it, never revisit it. Like it's so viscerally disappointing. Because there's definitely a list for me like that. You gotta think about the people listening, Fraser. They yeah. don't wanna listen to that. But I'm sure a lot of people would empathize with that exact same Aragon story. Oh, as that's me. true. Probably a lot of people went there with their whole family. For me, my whole family read the book at that mm-hmm, point. So mm-hmm. we all went there reading the book and we all left just like so angry. There are some stinkers out there. Some stinkers. Especially when you pull everyone to the theater and you're like, trust me <laughs> with that little kid confidence. You're yeah. like, trust me. I believe in this. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, no, this this is a better category. Rewatchable movies. Movies that you could watch a thousand times, watch them every week, and you would never truly get bored of them. Yeah. That is like, I think that's the test, is if you had to watch it once a week, by the end of the year. Nah, that's difficult. No, but any, would you still be able to like enjoy it? Yeah. And I think with all of mine, you could. I think mine is up there as well. Now yeah. these, this is a, let's define it. What makes a rewatchable movie? It's not our favorite movies. No. It's not the best movies. Mm-mm. You're right. It's movies that you can revisit. And for different reasons as well. A lot of my movies on the list are on there for totally different reasons. And we'll get into that as we go through the mm-hmm. list. It was interesting. I did a small focus group with my roommates about this though. And the movies that they put on their rewatch movies. They're often movies that we would see as like lower tier, like more basic or just Mm -hmm. sort of feel good movies. But it's interesting the ones that you're talking Amanda Bynes. I'm talking Twilight. Uh, I'm talking Amanda Bynes. She's the man. Yeah. (laughs) I'm talking those movies that like, sure, it's a movie and like it was enjoyable. But for some people, it's it's their version of rewatchability. There's also eras in our life where there's I don't know for you, but there's times, especially before Netflix, where I would rewatch the same movie. For two months straight. Like, I would just rewatch Fight Club mm-hmm. every night for like three months. Or there's rituals like this actually segues great into one of my first picks. I rewatched, and which is one that might be on the top of my list, the movie Troy. Mm. And we own that movie. And I didn't grow up with any TV channels. So whenever I was home sick from school or just yeah. like home on a long weekend or something, I'd watch Troy mm-hmm. because it was you know, three hours long. 
it was extremely epic. I got something out of it every time, even if there's something new. So for me, that that movie is probably one of the top of my rewatchable movies, even though for most people it's a one and done. Yeah. Because I I love that genre. And it's a movie that for me I associate it with just being able to sort of be at home on like a lazy Thursday watching a movie. Troy, I think I honestly it's one of those movies I, I've only seen once. I think most people are like that. And I think that's why this list is so different, because for me, I I'll probably know every scene of Troy. But I could watch it over and over again because it is it is very well done. The production is there. And as far as stories go, it's probably one of the most retold stories in all of human history. Mm-hmm. The story of Troy goes back thousands of years. And it's been told and reiterated and changed. But for some reason, this version of Troy just resonates with me. It's like my, it, it would be on this list, what would be considered like my epic that I rewatch. It's like the classic hero's journey for me. It's the classic like, story how it should be not by the numbers but sort of like in a grand scale mm-hmm. and it's sort of like true cinema that i'll just rewatch over and over again and brad pitt's abs yeah and brad pitt's booty yeah might be the reason why <laughs> it's, it's that like, i was the kid that was big into swords and fighting as a child as well so this movie resonated deep that's huge when you're a little kid and you're i remember uh i'm sad this didn't make my top five but i, th- I believe they're relatable gladiator yeah, I it, I pondered it, yeah. but I couldn't do it every week. Me neither. And we put it up on our, uh, when we did our dad movies, we did a poll on our Instagram of Troy versus Gladiator. 90% of people picked Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, they're, not, they're not apples to apples comparable, I would say. No, they're both Swords and Sandals movies. Mm-hmm. So that's really why, and I, they're two great movies and two big dad movies. And like the toppling of Empire movies. Mm-hmm kind of like through a single man. Yeah. But the motivations of the peep of the men are so black and white different. Yes. It's And when you but when you're a kid and you see uh in Gladiator them fighting with like wooden swords and just like breaking each other's arms. That's yeah, that was really a big mo- motivation. Well, this is actually a a great little sort of differentiation, differentiation mm-hmm. for the list. I much prefer the movie Gladiator. Me too. I think it's a much better movie. Yeah. But I, I could watch Troy more. That's it. Because maybe there's... Part of it is a lot... There's of, a like, lot of movies I didn't want to put on this list because I was like, I that's a great movie. I've rewatched that movie so much. I would never want to make myself not, not like it by rewatching it a lot. <laughs> Where I see Troy as a movie that I've seen it so many times already, I would have hit that... If I were to, I would have hit it already. Yeah. Like, Troy's a movie that if anyone suggests watching it, I'll probably just say yes. Yeah. You know, it's, like, even ah, though it's not? three hours long, it's it's so good. And, like, I have so much nostalgia with it. So it's on my list for the nostalgia goggles. Mm-hmm. But half of the enjoyment I get from watching it is remembering the times watching it as a child. Solid. You know? So I feel like everyone's going to have some of those movies that are would just be on their list. Yeah. You know, like... Probably the rest of these rewatchable movies I could recommend to other people, and they could watch over and over again. But Troy is sort of my my outlier, my like my personal choice. I think they all have that, I and I also think a big thing. I want to do this with this list. What's the one scene that w- when it's on, you're like, I gotta watch it until that scene. Ooh, well, Troy is great because it has a few, but the first opening fight when he like. Runs up and just like boom. Yeah, it takes down that massive general because oh, the whole so dope. the whole character intro is so good. Just you have armies of people seeing the strength of this one man, and then it cuts to our hero like drunk, 
She's like not not where he should be in time and like has to go get like summoned by this like boy and there's like thousands of people waiting for him and you're like how is this guy so arrogant like how can he be this good and then you realize it's like well we're in the age of like gods and demigods and he is literally just stands a head taller than everybody else even the guy who's four feet taller than him and that movie is just like so slick and so clean that 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 beginning fight scene I'll have to watch it to there, but yeah. hey, that gets me pumped for the rest of the movie. And then the fight scene between uh, the final duel between Hector and Troy, or <laughs> Hector and Achilles, is such a good sword fight. It's one of the best sword fighting scenes in any movie I know of. Um, and the difference between them, like it has actually a really great little uh, production story on that. Mm-hmm. The two actors said that if they were to hit each other, then if it was a soft hit, it'd be 50 bucks, and if it was a hard hit, they'd pay oh each other 100 <laughs> Um, and at the end, I think Brad Pitt ended up paying the other actor like $2,000. And I forget the name of the actor who played Hector, but Hector didn't pay Brad Pitt anything. Wow. And you can see that in the movie because of their fighting styles. Hector is this very calm, calculated, collected man who's like only going to make a movement if it makes sense in a fight. Whereas um, Brad Pitt's character as Achilles is this sort of like demon that like mm-hmm. whirls in circles and like attacks with full force and like i think the actors were perfectly chosen for the characters yeah so like those two scenes just i gotta see them (laughs) great picks great picks uh mine will be a follow-up to that not at all the same but i think it's we both have this movie with uh in our own personal lives it's catch me if if you can yeah love that movie excellent movie look this is a movie that you can you can watch almost every week. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something, the way that it, like, it doesn't shift eras, but it feels like it shifts eras. And it also shifts social classes. And it also shifts through periods in his life. Mm-hmm. So, like, at any point in the movie, you can kind of go to that point and feel like you're transported into a different sort of part of history. Also, a different point of his his character development. Yeah. So, like, every piece like there's no wasted points in that whole movie it's all development from beginning to end it's an incredibly well-paced movie it also has um it has some really beautiful lines and like you know you get really into frank abingdale jr's character and you start seeing the world he sees it and you're like it's one of the rare movies where it makes an asshole in real life look like the most romantic figure mm-hmm. and like overly understandable you're like oh i could see how he could do that or fall into doing that like, yeah and just like you know there there's some life lessons which are good life lessons but if you take them the wrong way and he's doing it out of, out of desperation at first um is like if you uh two mice fall into a vat of milk or a bucket, a, of, cream. A, a bucket of cream uh like one gives up drowns the other one that keeps fighting turns that shit to butter crawls out it's great it's I like that quote <laughs> it's a great life lesson yeah um but uh yeah and it's just about determination it's about uh being intelligent it's a very smart movie which is really great and i think the one thing that makes me revisit it a lot aside from the vibe and the tone and just like the overall Spielbergness, is the relationship, the father son relationship between um, between Frank and Tom Hanks, who plays the detective chasing him, mm-hmm. and just that uh, their relation, like their, yeah, it's it's just a beautiful thing of like 
talking about fathers and sons i think well in that world tom hanks is basically the only person that understands Mm -hmm. his brilliance in a way and like in the end he you know indoctrinates him into doing good work and like working for him basically which you don't see in many stories most of the other stories would have it where you know he's caught or he's bested and then that's it it's like he's it's over like he played his hand as long as he could and then he lost i think they would also show frank becoming a bad person yeah i don't believe this movie has that i think you really understand why this character is doing everything from the point on and at one point you're like he's delusional at this point Mm -hmm. like he is escaping out of a airplane with the fbi like on the other side of the bathroom door but you're like i want him to get away (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's because you can understand everything that's led him to that point yeah because like, they introduce it in such a way where it's like he only has so many options and like and just know, the fact that he was like level. 22 yeah what at what point do you think that like it's more rewatchable because you know it's a real story that movie would not be as good if it wasn't right yeah. it wouldn't be nearly as good because like believing that that person can exist and might you know those type of people exist mm-hmm. i think is what really adds the magic of that movie yeah and that that kind of depiction of like hacking hacking life yeah hacking is, society, is such yeah. a fun way of like escapism mm-hmm. um and it's someone who like it's pretty i think all of us sort of like you know daydream about being james bond or a pilot or a hey, doctor or a lawyer all these does. things and he just goes goes and does it's it complete fantasy fulfillment mm-hmm. but he does it and he's able to do it through his like tenacity uh ingenuity but also utter disregard for <laughs> how things are should should be done like yeah and like when he starts to like feel close to s- someone he like I've, I've yeah like he 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 doesn't allow that he like keeps running and uh i think honestly you couldn't do that if i, I don't think frank abagnale could do that any older than like 17 yeah or like 20 i think is if you got that character at like 25 i think he has experienced too much life you need that little bit of like selfishness that comes with being a teenager i really like that i also think the movie wouldn't resonate nearly as well if it wasn't a true story because us as the audience after his like third massive career change would be mm-hmm. like yeah okay come on how is this happening yeah. but it did you know so it's kind of like and just being it's like, unarguable like it did this guy did do this yeah. and he duped all these people and like, just being like come on frank how did you how did you pass the bar mm-hmm, exactly. and he's just like I just studied. I just did it. You know, like there's some things you can't cheat on. Like, Yeah. And it's just like, it's a real beautiful way. You know, uh, he does come, I guess he comes from a kind of a poor home that uh, happened after his father was indicted, was um, audited. But uh, it is a way of like surpassing your class, which is uh, a very important thing, I think, in that story. And especially it's like with... <laughs> The classic American story, like, rags to riches. Anyone can do it if they just work hard enough. Yeah. This is that story, but just sort of, like, turned on his head. Because, yeah. Because, you know, it's like, there's the classic American story, but it's it's kind of a lie. Mm-hmm. And this guy is just, doesn't see it for that, but he just takes it. Yeah. He just takes the American dream. Like it's, I, I it's kinda, all phony. I it. Yeah, it's all <laughs> phony, but it's all, like, you know, as long as he's saying he's doing this enough and loud enough. People are going to believe you. Yeah. it's That's a great movie. Yeah. What's your uh, number two? My number two, on, in no particular order, um, would be Princess Bride. And this movie made my list 
because it's a movie that my entire family would be okay to rewatch mm-hmm. anytime. You know, we it was another movie we owned, and if we were all sort of like fighting back and forth about what to watch, anyone could suggest this, and we'd all be okay with it. And that's been for my whole childhood, for as long as I can remember, and even to today. It's a movie that, as a family or with a group of people, I can basically always suggest it, and almost everybody in the room will just be instantly down to watch it. Yeah. Myself included. I'll watch it, I don't know how many times I've seen it. That movie is incredibly rewatchable. Incredibly rewatchable. And I think one of the things that really helped that, I read William Goldman's book, Secrets in the Screen Trade. And uh, he wrote the book of The Princess Bride, and he wrote the screenplay. Hmm. And uh, it was a real labor of love for him. He, like, really believed in it. But one of the things that he figured out was that the book is an adaptation of a book. Hmm. Where you don't have to be like, Jesus Christ, like, are we just going to have them, like, on, uh, are we just going to have them, like, escape onto the boat and then have them in the middle of the sea for this long? Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, like, what if... What if you just cut out all the boring parts of movies and you just have like from the boat with the eels to the cliffs of terror? I, th- I think that's that's like w- what they're called. Mm-hmm. And so it's literally just skipping chapters where you're like, this is unimportant unless we're only putting the exciting things in this movie. But that's such an act. Like, that's not an act. That's such like a delicate act because it's the writer who did it. So mm-hmm. that's probably why it works so well. Yeah. Because if you have other it makes screenwriters sense. cutting down books, they often choose the wrong things to cut mm-hmm. or you know like he knows the exact important beats to hold on because yeah. he wrote it i i didn't know that that's that's really awesome i believe that's the way the book is written too oh i haven't read the book Me that's neither. one that i really want to yeah we should both read the book uh, talking about fighting scenes oh that's one of the best like the yes. fight between Amini montoya and uh up on the uh, up on the cliffs yeah it's a it's, beautiful it's scene beautiful i loved zorro as a kid and um one of my favorite characters, and then I remember being on a field trip when I was in grade four, maybe, and um, having a horrible time. I had, like, so much homesickness as a kid, very anxious kid, and then we were there. It was raining, so they were like, okay, we can't go out, and we're staying at this hostel because we're hippies, <laughs> and, um, and they're like, okay, we're just going to put on a movie, and they put on The Princess Bride, and I went from being, like, the most anxious, feeling like throwing up kid to just being total escapism mm-hmm. it's a beautiful movie such a comfort movie yeah very very good comfort movie and it honestly might be the top of my list just because i feel like it would be on a lot of people's lists. yes like i could recommend this to basically anybody and they'd be down to watch it yeah or you know like they even if they'd seen it before and, and a lot er- of people er- i know who don't like watching a movie past the first time anyways would rewatch this and movie. everyone has a story with it too yeah everyone has their own personal reason why they love that movie and different scenes they pull on that they love mm-hmm. like the swamp scene or the torture scene or if it's actually really, or the mallage scene everyone has you know, mallage what brings us together <laughs> <Yeah>. today <laughs> sorry uh, everyone has the scene they remember and i yeah. find it's different like i was actually asking my roommates last night which scenes they remember remember from yeah. this movie, and almost everyone said a different one. Really? So I thought that was really cool. What's the scene that you got to that you got to watch? Uh, this is funny. I'm really setting a trend for myself here. It's that sword fight. It's a it's a great sword. <laughs> it's fight. such a great that's, sword fight. That's mine too. That and second to that it would be the Battle of Wits. Yeah. Yeah. When he, yeah. Like, I yeah. Love that. that when he Honestly, like, forces that guy to poison himself. Yeah, that whole like twenty minute segment of him like he has the fights one two three yeah. to go save the girl and like no it's it's beautiful storytelling. All right, I'm gonna jump to um, 
Oh, one more thing on Princess Bride I want to add, just because when I uh, found out about it, I thought it was really interesting. The main Andre, mm-hmm. the giant, mm-hmm. at the time, he had had such a long career in wrestling yeah. that his back was so destroyed yeah. that he couldn't hold the main actress yeah. in that scene when she was just holding him in her arms. He couldn't hold 110 pounds in his arms or his discs might slip in his back. So that whole movie, it's him, but he's not able to lift something that you and me could pick up. Like wow. for the whole movie, for everything. Yeah. If you look at it more, like he never does anything of any sort of physical physicality at all, which is his entire character because he's so destroyed from a whole life of doing that. William Goldman in his book is like, Andre was the kindest person I've ever met. Like the most gentle, kindest person. And um, when he wrote the character, he was like, well, we're never going to be able to cast this. Like, <laughs> fuck. And then they found Andre and he was like, well, he's perfect. <laughs> and um, yeah, he said it was incredibly painful process for him. Yeah. Um, look, my third one. It's going to be, or my second one? Yeah. Your second one. Will be Kill Bill Volume 1. Why is it rewatchable? Honestly, it's the energy. Um, Kill Bill as a whole movie, I think, is a really long movie. And I prefer the first half compared to the second half. There's so much great stuff in this first chunk of the movie. It's just like it's like a movie you've never seen before. It's creating a format that you've never had to follow. It's jumping in. Half of it's an animated. Um, and yeah, it's like probably one of the most interestingly formatted movies you've ever you've ever had a, like you've ever come across. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it so rewatchable is that you don't remember what happens next. That is that is true. I've seen Kill Bill Volume 1 quite a few times, and I couldn't tell you the progression from scene to scene. And I've seen Kill Bill Volume 1 double the amount that I've seen Kill Bill Volume 2. Mm. Um, yeah, it is so much fun. I think the fight scenes are also like, whoa. Like you've The fight scenes have so much energy in them, and just the overall tone is something that I love to be in. Like I love to be in that world. That's interesting. This one probably wouldn't be on my list mm-hmm. because I see them as such a two-parter, and the few like the few times I have gone through Hill Bill one and two, I yeah. felt like it's almost been such a journey. Like by the end of it, mm-hmm. I'm like tired. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's an epic. Yeah, it's kind of like going through all the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I thought about putting those on my list, but I couldn't watch them every week because you know I may watch them every year or so, but at the end of it, it's like it's an experience. Yeah. It's like as you said, it's tiring. So. I can I can understand it, but it's too tiring for me. I also think, I also think, with Kill Bill Volume One, you don't have to pay that much attention. You can you know you can focus on the scenes that you want to watch. You're like, great, uh, we got the uh, the um, sushi bar scene. We got um, her in the hospital, mm-hmm. and then we have the animated sequence, and then the uh, the House of Blue Lotus. And you're like, great, those are the ones that I'm going to tune in for. And then you can zone out, be on your phone, do work. And just kind of like not focus on the rest of the movie, but still listen to it and enjoy the lines and the dialogue and the soundtrack and the soundtrack. And it's just a vibe. Yeah. No, I could. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You sold me. Done. Definitely wouldn't be on my list, but like I could, I can understand that because mm-hmm. it, it, as you're right, it has such an energy to every scene. It's almost like it's not, but it's almost like a big collaboration of music videos in totally. the feeling of how, like how it goes. Yeah. What's hmm. yours? Number three? Number three uh, would be an old movie, one that is actually probably uh, one of the movies I saw first on this list. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Uncle Buck with John Candy. Never seen it. Really? Yep. It's this one of those movies that I feel like I'm the one who's introducing this movie to everyone who I bring it to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like this feel-good movie from the like late 80s, early 90s. And it's just about John Candy, this character who gets asked to babysit his three uh, like two nieces and a nephew over this like week or so as his brother and his wife go on a trip and really quickly he realizes that he's been sort of uh not shunned from the family but like his nieces and nephews don't even know who he is and like he's going through the photo album and he sees like a photo of their wedding day and his part of the photo where he's standing has been folded over and like you can see that the only reason that they asked his sort of like screw up brother to come is because they needed his help and they had no one else to really ask. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't let that perturb him at all. And he just continues to be just the most genuinely best uncle and like does the sort of best week with the kids possible. Mm -hmm. And just through being such a genuinely good person for every character. And whenever he could take, like whenever there's a split in the road and he could either go one way or the other, he always goes to like the way that's more noble or the way that's sort of like quote better. Mm -hmm. And the change in this is like, he doesn't really go through much change, but it's every single person in the story sees him differently by the end. Whoa. Like every person sees him as this sort of like a bit of a fuck up, a bit of like, okay, this is, this is our, our can't like our uncle buck, you know, he's just coming over. And by the end, it's like every person realizes how wrong they were about him, but that's it. They just realize how wrong they were about him and accept him into the family. But he stays, he stays. It's like a nightcrawler esque thing where oh. him as a character doesn't change, but the world does. Exactly. It's like an opposite nightcrawler where like, the world instead just becomes, like, so much better just because of the goodness he's putting in. And he sees all the shittiness that, like, is coming back or that might yeah. be coming his way. But he's just like, that's how it is. I'm just going to keep living good. And just, like, his subtle changes, it's it's such a good, feel-good movie that I, I've suggested it to so many people. And I'm going to continue to do so. And every person who's actually watched it with me has enjoyed it. Beautiful. And for the scene that you have to watch, and if people have seen the movie, they're going to 100% probably agree with me it's on like the first day he makes breakfast for yeah. his uh his nieces and nephews and it's just for some reason he makes massive breakfast like he's flipping the toast over with a snow shovel and like there's bacon and it's huge and he has like so many eggs and it's just like it's just silly it's campy it's like they're going for uncle making you breakfast in the morning that's like kind of different than normal but it's still yeah. good it's just sort of like bachelor uncle but he goes to the nines and he just makes like, you know, the one breakfast is the size of the table. That's... And it's it's silly, but it's also grounded in reality. So it's kind of like, it's this, it's my favorite John Candy movie. And it's just like this brilliant little movie that I would just watch over and over again. That sounds super cute. Like every time I watch it or think about it, I smile. You know, it's just one of those movies that you could have on the background. You could not really think about it for the whole movie. But the 20 minutes you tune in, it's going to be a good 20 minutes no matter where you are in it. Nice. Is it my number four? Yeah, please. Okay. Sorry. No, I, I, no Uncle I, Buck I, is a movie. I, I, I like, honestly keep forgetting. I haven't, like, I should rewatch because mm-hmm. um, it's probably been a year or so since I have seen it. Mm-hmm. But I have nothing but good things to say about it. I'm sure there's gaps in my knowledge on it, but I just have nothing but good things to say about it. I'm going to go with one of my favorite mid-90s indie movies. Uh, came out of really the, uh, the director, the kind of new wave of indie directors in the 90s. And uh, the filmmaker who has, who it kind of birthed, who is just the writer and main actor, not the director, has gone on to become one of our most valued directors. John Favreau's Swingers. Mm-hmm. 
have you seen this one? Yeah, that's a, it's an awesome movie. I recommend this one to anyone who's going through a hard time in their lives where mm-hmm. they need a uh, a confidence boost. Mm-hmm. This movie is like a it's like Felix Felicis and Harry Potter. It's just liquid confidence because yeah. you get this protagonist who um, is just like feeling bad for himself and he's wallowing self-pity which we all do i don't know about you but Mm, that's something that i do where i'm like oh oh woe is me the world is so hard yeah Uh, time on your hands yourself on your mind yeah yeah. and his friend trent is like the most cocky literally just vince vaughn Mm -hmm. uh is like fast talking (laughs) the world is everything's going well for him everything's coming up trent Mm -hmm. um and basically, it's just like a movie about friendship, but it's also a movie about like being with your pals and like learning and just seeing the like having your pals help you build you up and give you the confidence by seeing uh, by seeing you through their eyes. And there's just this one scene, and I think it's the most rewatchable scene. What I have to be there for. And so they like pull over to the side of the road, and John Fever is just in this place where he's like, "Man, not, like, nothing's going my way." And then, uh, and he's like, he can't get a girl. He's going through a breakup. He just has zero confidence. And then Trent is just like, dude, you're a bear. Like, <laughs> and he's just like, you're a bear. And that girl, she's just like a like a little scared bunny. And and you're trying to figure out how to how to get this girl. But you're a bear, and that's just a scared bunny. And you're like, how do I kill this bunny? How do I kill this bunny? I'm just this big scary bear with these huge massive claws and these big huge teeth. How do I kill that money? No, dude, you're a great guy. And it's just a huge confidence booster speech. And um Yeah, I think it's just like I rewatch it to make myself feel better. Yeah. It's an outlook movie. It's a movie that it really just says like the only thing you can change is how you react to the things around you. Yeah. And it's just the man real like the main character sort of realizing that and just the power that can have, you know, like the power it can have over like all aspects of that guy's life, how he views himself, how other people view him, like how he's uh, working towards his goals and like where he's at in that place. Yeah. And like just the the way he sees himself in it's it. It's pure outlook. The, it's pure the outlook. only antagonist is his lack of confidence. It's one of the best selfie self movies I can think of. Yeah. It's like a uh, it's like a self help book, dude. It's yeah. basically just being like get out of your way. Get out of your own way. You're your biggest obstacle. I'd really recommend this movie most for people between 15 and 25. Yeah. I'd say um, 15, 25, if you're going through a breakup. Yeah. If you uh, can't, fi- if you're having a hard time finding yourself, finding what you're passionate about, getting motivated, um, I think this is where Swingers really boosts you. Mm-hmm. And it's, hey, guess what? Don't get turned off by the title. It's not about Swingers. Yeah, no. It's not no. about the sexual act of sleeping with many married people. No. Um, this story also has a pretty beautiful message on like friendship. Yep. It's just a like showing, very, just like the differences in friends and like how that's something to be like celebrated and like it's no, it's a very, it's a very good story. You don't often see the Vince Vaughn character who's just sort of like, you see him in like character movies like Fifty Fifty, yeah, um, like Seth Rogen's character where it's sort of the best friend who the audience is almost kind of like, oh, this guy's kind of like, not a shithead, but like I, I'm not like super super sort of rooting for him. And normally the worst part of the movie. Yeah. No one ever likes the best friend character. Yeah, especially when he's supposed to be kind of a dick. Um, but in those movies, you you see the power he has and you see like the the amount he cares and the amount that they care in both of those characters. And like it's not done in like, you know, traditional sort of person caring for other person, but it's a lot more 
real. Yeah. It's a lot more sort of like day-to-day caring. Yeah. And it's also just a very honest depiction of being (laughs) like, my friend's an asshole, but the audience also loves them. Like the audience loves Vince Vaughn in that movie. Oh yeah, more and it it is a sad boy movie, but it's also not a sad boy that you're annoyed at. Yeah, John Favreau is a very lovable sad boy. He's believably sad, you yeah. know, and like yeah, no, it's that's a very good movie. Um, for me, that wouldn't make my rewatchable list just because again, it's such a roller coaster. Like I feel yeah. like I'd watch it once a year and be like, wow, that was like resonated with me and like. I feel like if I were to watch it every week, it might lose some of its power. I think it would. But that's also a movie I ne- I think I'll never lose affection for. That it is a movie that I will always be like, is it on? I'm watching it. Yeah, even it's with the also, thousandth watch, the storylines yeah. make sense. And, like, and that movie good. will hold up stronger in a character arc. And I'll get more invested in the character the more that I watch it. That's true. And I bet you that movie will get more notoriety in years to come yeah it's also just a great time capsule of 90s la life that's true um which i was not alive or there for yeah fraser what's your number uh four my number four is also a john favreau movie yes um it's one of his passion projects quite a few years after swingers and that's chef and it's just a really simple movie about a man who is sort of refinding his love for what he calls his greatest passion cooking and also sort of reestablishing a relationship with his son while he reinvents himself mm-hmm. so it's just a story about a man who is not happy with where he is in life even though he's worked so hard to get to the position he is at and then going through a radical change and a scary change but just to sort of basically be doing the same thing he's doing, but in a place where he feels so much better about it. So at the end of the movie, he's still a chef, and he's still, like, you know, there's a lot of things that are basically factually the same, but in reality, there's it's so different. It's actually quite a lot like Swingers in the way where it's just an, an outlook on something changes everything. Yes. It's um those two movies, it feels like a spiritual sequel. Mm. It feels like if that's his early 20s story, this is his midlife mm. story. Totally, totally. And it's about, it's also a reflection of his career. Um, and it's just being like, look, like at this age, you're not dealing with the same problems that I think uh, his name's Mike is dealing with in Swingers. You're mm-hmm. dealing with stag, like being stagnant and being like, you're in your, you're in your career. You're doing, you're doing safe stuff. You you're, got a, you're a father. You're a father. Like. You're not putting that much energy into your son. Mm-mm. You got a failed marriage, um, and you're single, and you're just kind of like in this kind of rut, but you're not willing to change. You hit a plateau in your career that you're not happy being at, even though it's hard to get to. Yeah. And then everything gets fucking taken up, and he gets lost in this wind. And that's what I think makes this movie such a rewatchable movie, is the structure. Mm-hmm. It doesn't follow a very normal three-act structure i forget what the term is it's a japanese term or it's a i think it's japanese and it's just it's called koto kinsu i'm gonna try to look it up Mm -hmm. but it's a story arc uh he's just this character stuck in his life and then a wind comes and just like fucks his life up and he's just swirling in that wind of like where am i gonna go and then he goes to a food truck Mm -hmm. and he which is like the least notable like noble thing for a french trained chef and then he invests and then he invests in that and his life is different 
but he's changed and he and it's a really beautiful story well, and that wind you're talking about it comes from inside himself mm-hmm. yeah. and when he like everything else like destroys everything he's built and all this prestige around what he wants as he says as you say he goes to this food truck which is what we consider kind of be like the lowest tier of food yeah. management just to go back and to work in the industry he loves just because he loves it I love this movie. I love this movie. It is too. a bookend. It is like, again, if you just watch Swingers, go watch Chef. This is the movie that um, when we're going back and forth with somebody, like, what do you want to watch? We're going back and forth yeah. for like 20 minutes. I'll just inevitably suggest Chef because I can just watch it. You know, it's one of, like, it's on my rewatchable list for a reason because at any point I can kind of just watch it. Yeah. It's so good. All and right. If I had to choose a scene oh, yeah. to wait around for, it would be him cooking for Scarlett Johansson. I know yeah. how to do that, uh, Pasta now, and I've relived that scene in real life. Ladies, it works. listen up. <laughs> he is single. Oh, God. Uh, it's, but, a, it's a three-ingredient pasta, it is, and it'll it's re- up your game. I feel like everyone's made it. It's, it's a fantastic pasta. I think my rewatchable one is uh, when he's building, when he makes the first Cubano with his son. Yeah, everything up to that. I I, I I love that little montage. All right, my number five, my final one, my most rewatchable one. It's also one of my most complicated ones, which is the Social Network. Mm. David Fincher comes in, teaming up with Aaron Sorkin, a dream team for me. Um, and they tell this story that like a has only aged better yeah and in a different way now with what facebook has become and like rather aged, like darker which is yes. kind of they were playing on as well which uh i don't know if they were aware of in 2010 when the movie was made but 10 years later 11 years later it is a completely facebook is completely different now i think one of the reasons why it's so rewatchable is the floating timeline of it's cutting between it's the most complicated s- screenplay structure i've ever seen where it's cutting between three different court hearings um with flashbacks and the characters are so good the dialogue so good it's such a beautifully shot movie and it has this real energy to it which um it's it feels like modern like modern day kind of shakespeare hmm one thing that really draws me to that movie is uh they don't really care if you like the main character from the beginning to the end Mm -hmm. there's like this is who he is unapologetically deal with it and i really like that and like, they also don't say who's right. Exactly. Which is a massive thing. Because yeah. every time I watch it, new person's right. Yeah, it's and that's I you know, part of the debate anyways. Like they I think they wanted to bring that debate from real life into the movie. Yeah. No, that's a that's a beautiful movie. Um I couldn't put it on my rewatch list, I think, because will I still care about it in forty years? I don't know. Like it might be even have more validity facebook might become you know such a more powerhouse company you know we have no idea it yeah. could become more relevant but facebook could also die that that's that's an interesting one for rewatchability i also think it's the best uh time capsule of that era yeah and i also think it's the best movie made of that decade Ooh, of the decade yeah from 2010 to 2020 it's wow. the, the best movie made. I'd have to go through. Oh, there's Whiplash in there. Um, Dude, Whiplash is great. This one, I, I I honestly think this one takes the cake. Yeah, I, I don't, it's it's hard. It's an amazing movie. The dialogue is one of the 
it's one of the best yeah. written movies and dialogue I can think of off the top of my head, period. What's your number five? My number five, and I've been saving this for number five, because yeah. I have a feeling a lot of people listening to this are probably going to say this movie in their head while they're listening to this. And when I asked my roommates, this was basically on, like, they all just instantly agreed, like, yeah, this would be on their list. And it's Shrek, a movie that hey, fantastic. I loved when it first came out. I was the target audience when it first came out. I was of that age. And then now as an adult, I can appreciate it in a full new light. I can see the base story with extras, things I didn't see as a child. I I can watch it with anybody. I can uh, suggest to my family, my friends, people I don't even know. People are going to be down to watch Shrek. It's it's one of those movies that probably all of my roommates know most of the lines to it. Yeah. It's, it's like a perfect movie, um, and it sort of defines the both kid and adult friendly genre for mm-hmm. animation that we now take as standard. Yes. And it also, it's such a clean, classic story arc, Hero's Journey, literally a knight <laughs> saving a princess mm-hmm. from a castle, um, but it's so jam-packed with references, characters, and it's something you can just rewatch all the time. Yeah. It's and like and also rewatch the shittiest versions of. You oh, can be like, yeah. "Oh, we're going to rewatch Shrek 3. I'm in." Yeah, like, right? Like, Shrek 1 is that good. It makes Shrek 3 worth watching. Yeah. I I would actually totally agree with that. Like it's it is. It is. And you can watch them 1, 2 and 3 and somehow number 3 is still entertaining. Even 4. Yeah, even 4. Like yeah, it also makes, as a joke, I went on Shrek's holiday special <laughs> with Jade just being like, you wanted to watch Shrek, we're watching this. And we watched the whole thing. Yeah, as a joke, you carried <laughs> it through. Joke. You're like, this is this is actually worth not turning off. Yeah. Like, it's in, it's insane. It's uh, one of our strongest Canadian comedians at his like penultimate. I'm going to edit that out. Fine. I'm just, <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> we don't say Canada here, bro. Oh, man. Um, what was I going to say? Was, uh <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's just a really fantastic movie, and one of the rare ones where the sequel is stronger than the first one. I disagree on that, but really? I would say it is not stronger, but it's very strong, and it's a good sequel. But yeah. the first one is it it it's so self contained. It is. It's like it's a movie that without the sequel, like without the first one, the sequel doesn't have legs at all. Yes. The first one yeah. is a contained unit. It, all the other ones make it better and whatnot, but that one alone is going to be part of the Criterion Collection. It's going to be talked about for years. That's I'm a probably going to show it to my kids. It's it's going to stick around. It's one for the ages. And it's an animation style that doesn't age poorly. No. Which is huge. Very, very true. Huge. You watch the first Incredible movies, it's yeah. like, uh, I love that movie, but like, wow. Looks a little blockish. Looks a little blockish. All right. Um, Give me your number five. That, that's that's my top five, bro. All right, all right, right. I um look. I think this was a very very powerful top five. You want to do some quick honorable mentions? Let's do our honorable mentions. These are just gonna be a speed round. This was just my list, basically from my roommates, and they gave me Twilight, all of them. Um, these are my roommates. You know, you know. I'm gonna say, Jade likes those movies. That's the th- that's the yeah. thing. I feel like for it's not for me, but for a large demographic, that movie's gonna be in the top. We're not the audience, this. but We're... it is nostalgia for yeah, a lot of people. For so many people. Uh, Greece, which actually I agree with. That almost made my list. Mamma Mia, which again, I'm not the target audience for, but I've probably seen that movie five times just yeah. from like, just life, you know? Yeah. Um, Koyaanisqatsu, which I don't know how to say that. I'm sorry. Um, but it's basically this audio visual 
essay, perhaps. Some people argue that it has a premise and some people say it, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. The person, one of my roommates who said that this is one of her best movies to rewatch, I think is because it's such a feeling piece. Yeah. And it can put you into a feeling or a mood no matter how you're feeling before. This is not one that I've seen, but you were saying it's more of like an art house uh, mixture of visuals and music, right? Yeah, yeah. It feels like something like way more that you'd see at the Vancouver Art Gallery than you'd see just like on TV. I think it's worth mentioning because that's uh, that that goes in there. I'm I'm excited to watch it. I wish I could say it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to put down. Look, some great ones would have made my list. The Departed, Goodfellas, Gladiator, mm, mm. Old School, <laughs> um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Wonderlust. Um and those are oh, the Darjeeling Limited. Those are my uh those are my honorable mentions. Completely rewatchable, didn't make the list. I have one more honorable honorable mention, which was my number six. Yep. I couldn't I couldn't put it in because I know it's so specific to me. And that's the English patient. Mm. And that's only really because like it was basically my dad's favorite movie and I've probably watched it every year since I was six. Yeah. And that's just it's not a rewatchable movie, but I've seen it every year since I was six. So, I mean, like, is it not? Like, <laughs> I got to put in uh, Days Confused, mm. a movie I wish I put on my list right now because yeah, that's, a- that's a incredibly rewatchable movie. That is a hangout. And talk about a time capsule. Yeah. And you put that shit on and you are just hanging out with those people. Also, another rewatchable movie, another hangout movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. I would hang. I love that movie. I will hang out with that movie all the time. All right. Great top five. Great top five. Fraser Thanks for McLean. having me here. It's been lovely. Everyone go back and uh, listen to Fraser's episodes. We got his pilot, the pilot, the page master. Page master. Great so much stuff. animation and childhood just love. He's got Pitch It. He's got Adventures of Pluto Nash that just came out. And he is back, baby. Uh, uh, Bill Simmons, don't add us. Uh, our podcast better than yours. Um, all right. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Fraser. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Um, Please listen uh, next. Uh, please subscribe on all podcast platforms. Please rate and review us on iTunes. That really helps grow the podcast. If you give us five stars and a review, I will read the review. doesn't matter what it says. Anything. There's some power there. Oh, yeah. And I'm giving it to you. Use it, baby. Uh, put out five stars, any review, and I'll read it on the next episode. All right. Thank you, everyone. Follow us on uh, social media at, at What Will We Watch. Thank you, and enjoy your week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.